The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. I think the guest that we have on this episode of The Adventure Jogger is the reason why that crazy woman, Jane Benfer, on Facebook thinks we're all lying because all of his feats are incredible and defy what you think is humanly possible. I'm talking about the fastest Leadville 100 Pikes Peak Marathon double. Yeah, he ran Leadville, then ran Pikes Peak. The fastest time for seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. The fastest 50K on a treadmill. He recently ran 262 miles in 63 hours to win the Quarantine Backyard Ultra from Virginia, which is for lovers, by the way. Our guest on the Adventure Jogger is Michael Wardian. Michael, welcome to the Adventure Jogger. Hey man, thanks so much for having me. That was a kind introduction, dude. Uh, no, I like look at your at your ultra sign up uh, stats. I don't know if you follow this, Michael. You're awful busy running all the time, but there is this great <laughs> there is this crazy woman on Facebook named Jane Benifer, and she she calls people out and she thinks ultra running is fake, and so like she will search out like you haven't made it in ultra running until this woman has has put a smiley face on something you've posted about ultra running because she thinks it's all fake and i was thinking it must oh, okay. be it must be because she looked at your at your ultra sign up stats and said well how the hell is that even humanly possible hey i've 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 heard that people think i have like a twin or something but it's- <laughs> wait wait is there is there a michael wardian twin theory Yes, that I've heard that, but uh, yeah, but I don't know. I haven't. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have made her radar, but uh, I thought I only got haters from Let's Run. So um, do you have you know, do that, you have haters on Let's Run? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I used to. I I don't know if I still do. My mother in law used to give her uh, uh, great uh, anxiety that you know people would would you know be upset about me running a marathon back to back or uh wait wait whatever i would whatever i was doing so so people got upset that you would do like back-to-back marathons because i I look at the i look at the leadville pikes peak double and you think about someone running 100 miles at leadville which is an accomplishment in itself i mean that is enough to take it out of just about anybody but then to go around the next day and run the pikes peak marathon after running the leadville so your mother-in-law is seeing people on the internet going like this Michael Wardian, he's asking for trouble. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, Oh, he's just a showboater. And you know, if he only would focus on one marathon, think how fast he would be. He's wasting his talent. Like, or, you know, he's not talented at all. Who I don't know, man, you know, people, <laughs> people can say whatever they want. And like, it's, uh, it's cool. I don't, you know, it's, whatever it's it's one of those things where um you know i just keep doing what i do i i love what i'm doing i love the chance to be out there and the opportunities that i have and um i think 
what's even better is all the people that are inspired to, you know, do more than they think they can or um, to uh, maybe try something, you know, for them that seems a little bit out there or, or a little bit beyond their grasp or, you know, something that gets them fired up. And, you know, that's hopefully what people will see and take away from what I'm doing. Um, by the way, you're the second guest on this very uh, new podcast to have their dog with them. So we welcome dogs here. My dog is, is taking a nap right right next to us as well. So there's a lot of dogs on the Adventure Jogger. But let's let's start, Michael, from the beginning. There was a time when, and I, I've seen pictures of, what was it, about 10 years ago, you're running a marathon, no long hair, no beard, a baby-faced uh, Michael Wardian, a younger, a younger man who'd not seen the things that you've seen. But let's kind of yeah. st- start your run at, right at the beginning of your running journey. How did you go from you know standard Michael Wardian to Michael Wardian ultra runner? What was your running story? Uh, well, it was pretty fast actually. Like I, I started running in 1996. Um, uh, was my first marathon, and I. Um, you know, ran, ran that to qualify for the Boston marathon, which was my goal. And I figured I'd run the Boston marathon once. And, uh, that would be kind of the end of my running. I figured, you know, that's pretty cool. I ran Boston marathon. Good for me. Now I'll go, you know, back to drinking and partying and, you know, whatever. And, um, and I got hooked and I really wanted to have that feeling like every single weekend. And, um, you know, I signed up for, some marathons in the fall I, of that 1997, I signed up for Chicago, uh, New York Marine Corps again. And then I heard about the JFK 50 miler. So I did my first 50 mile was like my fifth race, I think, or something. So, um, so I've kind of found ultras pretty early cause I, I, someone told me you could run 50 miles. I just didn't believe it was true. Like, I was just like, I got to see this cause it's not true. You can't actually run that far. So you thought that was uh, all made up too. You were the Jane Benefer <laughs> before, before Facebook existed, you were a doubter. Well, I was, uh, well, I had just run a marathon and yeah. I just didn't know that I didn't even know it wasn't on my radar that you could run further than a marathon. Like I had seen the comrades marathon mm-hmm. in South Africa Um, but I only, I didn't, that's the only ultra marathon I'd ever heard of. Like I hadn't heard of Western States or, um, you know, anything like that. I just didn't even know it was, it was possible. Like it it existed. Um, and then, you know, I, I did JFK and then I saw, like, I saw, I think it was the year Howard Nippard won. Like, I just saw how fast he was going. And I was just like, I cannot believe that that's even possible. And what's cool is like, you know, 10 years later, I actually ran faster, (laughs) ran faster than, than he did. And, you know, almost, I I think I missed the course record. I actually broke the course record, but then this guy, David Riddle passed me in the last couple of miles and he actually got the course record. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're sitting there thinking like, I got this course record in the bag. And then some Riddle guy comes blowing right by you. It was so cool though. Like he was, he was like, Oh man, sorry. I was like, dude, don't be sorry, man. You're stronger than me. I was so pissed, though. <laughs> I was so pissed. Uh, Steve Durbin, <laughs> I, who's the race director for Strolling Gym and other races, told me a great David Riddle story about how when he went for the course record at Strolling Gym, he followed the lead squad car that was leading uh, the race. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they constantly mark, like, David Riddle turn here on the course. <laughs> 
all these all these years after. But but Michael, when you ran that first uh, marathon in '96, what mm-hmm. were you one of those people that it wasn't you didn't have like a the bottom fell out, the wheels fell off, like a, a moment of complete misery? Were you one of those people? And I know they're out there, and I've interviewed them that. You kind of ran that first marathon strong the whole way through. Um, pretty strong. Like I, um, I, I did a lot of work for it. Like I was well trained and uh, was pretty confident in knowing my that I was going to get the time. But until you do it, you never know. And then you you always hear people talk about the wall yeah. and like all this stuff. Uh, and also like. I, and when I first did marathons, I thought it was cheating to eat or drink. So I, <laughs> I so I didn't, I didn't uh, wait, 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 yeah. pause everybody. Yeah. Your first marathon, when you, you qualified for Boston your first time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you didn't drink anything or eat anything the entire time. Not really. So yeah, I thought it was cheating to, uh, <laughs> to take, to take gels or like take like any kind of liquid, so I, I think I may have had like a sip of water, but yeah, I didn't really drink or eat. And, um, and yeah, I, I just thought like, Hey, this is you versus the distance, like, right. you know, nothing. And so like I, before the race, I ate a ton of pasta because you know, you're supposed to carb load and, um, did all that kind of stuff. But yeah, during the race, I didn't really eat or drink. Uh, and so with a mile to go, I think I had like, I think I had, 12 minutes or something. So I was like, pretty sure I was going to make it. Yeah. But then what was funny is I like, I started running and like, it was way further than I thought. And then, (laughs) uh, and like the Marine Corps, I don't know if you've done Marine Corps, but now it finishes kind of like halfway up the hill uh, to Iwo Jima, but it used to finish like you'd run up the hill around Iwo Jima and you could see the finish line, but you, you were still like a half mile from it. Yeah. And so like, I remembered being like, Oh God, I'm going to miss the time because like, I, I'm going to be short because I have to go all the way around and then back. And then, you know, of course I made it, but, um, but yeah, I just remember like thinking and I, I, I wore like lacrosse shorts and like a cotton t-shirt. And so like, I was <laughs> I was chafed pretty bad, you know, like, yeah. Love to think about, you know, and how old were you at the time? You'd been what, uh, late teens? 22. Okay, so 22, 22, 1996, 22 year old Michael Wardian is like, yeah, I think marathons be kind of cool. I want to do one and run Boston. So you're in lacrosse shorts in a cotton t-shirt and you, and you, you line up and there's people in their fancy wicking stuff. And they're running well, shorts. It was 1996, so oh, it, it be- was more like it was more like split shorts and singlets. So, okay, like it's funny. Like the guys look like me now, you know, like like lean and like long legs, and you know their butts hanging out, and yeah, you know. <laughs> and you show up so, in lacrosse yeah. shorts. Yeah, I was in lacrosse shorts and like cotton feet. And that's what kind of shoes? Uh, Do you remember the shoes? Uh, I think they were New Balance. Okay. Um, yeah, they were either New Balance or Brooks, but I'm pretty sure they were New Balance because that's what the guys on the Pacers team were sponsored by. And so, um, so yeah, so although they may have been, you know what, they may have been Asics like, um, 
1035s or 1020s or something. That, I feel like that was a real model then. Okay. And I feel like I was in ASICs. Uh, I feel like I was in ASICs first and then new, new balance. Cause I got on the Pacers team and then Brooks and then I ran for North face for a while. Yeah. Now you're, now and then you're I, yeah. Yeah. I've been Hoka for like the last, like, I don't know, 10 years. No, no, it hasn't been 10 years. Probably it's been, at least eight years, though. I only asked about the shoes because I was thinking with the lacrosse shorts and the cotton T-shirt in a land of singlets like and split Chuck, shorts. Chuck Taylors. Well, yeah. no, Chuck Taylors or um, the New Balance, the dad at the barbecue New Balance. You know, the ones I'm talking about, the white and blue New Balance shoes that every dad wears when they're cooking out in the backyard. Well, I used to wear the 995s, like the old like the old band shoes, the like gray ones. Uh, like they, they were the 990s. Um, yeah, I used to train in those cause I figured it was, you know, good training cause they weighed so much. So like, if you run in those, like, you know, you'll be ready for whatever. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So you do JFK. Did you have a moment at JFK? You know, you've, you've done a couple of marathons at this point. Um, did, did you do JFK? Did you decide that you would cheat at JFK and actually eat or drink something? Or did you run JFK with nothing? No, um, so I was trying more stuff then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of, I was getting sick of getting beat by people that I didn't think were better than me. And so like, I was like, I need to like eat, like that doesn't make sense to lose to people that aren't better than you. Right. Um, and so, uh, I did eat and drink, but what I actually, I actually thought I was going to win. Cause I just was like, yeah, oh, I've run like two thirty five at that point or yeah. two forty, And I was like, if you just multiply that by two, <laughs> like, um, and I didn't realize <laughs> that, that that's not really how it works. Um, so yeah, so I, I got my butt kicked like at like 30 miles. Um, cause I did, I wasn't really fueling very well. And I remember like getting passed by these guys who were doing like the Jeff Galloway, they would like run for 10 minutes and then walk for yeah. two minutes and then run for 10 minutes. And I was like, I was like, before the race, I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk at all. Like I'm a runner runners run. And like these guys were like rolling me. Like I would like, I was barely, barely walking. Um, so I mean, yeah, I was, I was basically running as fast as they were walking. It was, it was pretty pathetic, but, um, but I ended up, I finished, you know, I got, I got my butt kicked and learned a lot. Um, yeah, I remember like lying there on the, I think my dad actually has a pretty funny picture. Like I, I'm like ghost white and like, like just like, wow, that was a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> and I finished in like eight and a half hours or something. So, you know, it's pretty funny. Like, you know, I've finished almost, you know, two and a half, uh, yeah, almost, yeah. Two and a half hours faster. You know, most, I think I've finished in the top 10 there, like at 10 times or something right. now. So um, you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, that's, everyone has a start. And, yeah. You have you know, to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, you know, some people, you know, do really awesome on their first time. I was not one of those people, you know, <laughs> I had to, work, I had to work at it. Don't you, don't you hate when you hear people that are like, yeah, I ran my first ultra and I won it by, yeah, by an well, hour. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, th- I mean, that's awesome, you know, but you know, they may have come from a running background, you know, I, I did not. So, you know, I had to, 
it's cool. Like, I think that's actually a really uh, interesting part of my journey and my story is like, you know, I wasn't an elite runner growing up and, you know, I didn't, I was talking to somebody in the Instagram, like when I first started running, like when I first started going to track workouts, like I didn't know what 400 meters meant. Like I didn't know what, you know, I'd just be like, tell me how many laps to run. Like, do I run one, two, four? I don't care how many, just tell me, but talking like those numbers at me, I don't know what that means. So like, um, you know, like I'd just be like, Jim, is that two or four? And he's like, he's like one. I was like, okay, one, I can do that. So like, yeah. so, So, but then you learn. And then I read a bunch of stuff about, um, about running and, you know, and, and started doing the work and started getting familiar with, you know, how workouts are built and, you know, what, what it means and, you know, kind of what the point is and, and grew into, you know, what I've become now. What was that moment um, when you went from the guy who had the hard and fast rules of eating and drinking during a marathon is cheating. And I'm never, I'm not going to walk a step in JFK and you were having those issues, what changed? When did you start putting things together and start seeing like, Oh, Oh God, I could, I'm actually pretty decent at this. Well, I mean, I, I think it's an evolution, right? I mean, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, some of the biggest things was just seeing, you know, the people that I'm training with, um, you know, and I know that I'm stronger then. And then, you know, we get in a race and they're taking gels and I'm not taking gels and, um, you know, they're, they're beating me and it's not because they're stronger than me. It's because they have better nutrition plan. And I was like, this is dumb. Like the only person I'm hurting is myself. Like, it's kind of like, I refuse to wear, you know, Nikes for a long time. And like, everybody was wearing Nikes and, um, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in to the man. It was just dumb. It was like, those, those were the best shoes at the time. And now it's like, it'd be like not wearing hokas or, you know, it's just like, why, why would you want to do that? You know, if, if it's legal and it's something that everyone has access to and, um, you know, it's something that is, um, going to help you perform at a, at a higher level, like you should you know, use it and take advantage of it. Like, I, like I, I, I think that I was intentionally and and I think that I had to work through this, but I was intentionally like scared of what I could become. And so I was sabotaging myself, um, you know, and just doing dumb things. Um, and I think maybe it had something to do with, like, I was trying to decide if I wanted to like become a full-time runner, uh, or stay in my job as a, a international ship broker. And, um, you know, I had to work through that and figure out like, yeah, I still want to do both. And, you know, people were saying like, oh, you'll never be, you know, the athlete you can, unless you go into it, you know, full in and, yeah. and give up your day job. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't believe that. And, and I don't think that you have to sacrifice one to, you know, have the other. And, and I've always tried to, you know, keep both. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like I'm a partner in the ship brokerage. Now I worked up from like being, you know, the guy who makes photocopies, you know? So like, um, 
And, and I think with the running, it's the same thing. You know, I, I was the guy, you know, was stupid enough, the guy, that's my dog. You know, I was, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, no, I was a, you know, a guy that, you know, was just kind of learning, learning the ropes and figuring out, you know, how to get, you know, the most of yourself. And, um, you know, I continue to do that. And I, you know, if something works, then I, you know, keep it. And if it doesn't work and, or I need to change something, then, you know, I'm open to that. And I feel like, um, you know, that I, I was limiting myself and, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to continue to evolve and, and see what I'm capable of. And, you know, that means, you know, trying new things. And the cool thing is we're an experiment of one and we can do that. You know, we can, you know, tweak one thing and see how that uh, impacts us and, you know, how that, uh, translates to where we want to go. Um, have you mellowed out a bit in your old age, Michael? Do you, you seem like early on in your career, you had some very hard and fast rules, no Nikes, uh, <laughs> no gels. Have you found that as you've gotten older, you've mellowed out on those hard and fast rules? Um, somewhat. I mean, there are some things that, you know, I just, you know, I, I like to play by the rules. Like I, you know, I, and, um, you know, I feel like the rules are important and, you know, I, I definitely, um, take that pretty serious. Yeah. Like where, you know, I could see, you know, other people would, um, you know, maybe be like, Oh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and you know, that's not a real rule or something like right. that. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, there's things like, yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty firm on like integrity and, and like the, the, uh, I'm trying to search for the right word, the, um, purity of the sport. Like, right. like I, like I, I want to be doing things for the right reasons. And, um, and so I guess I, I wouldn't say I've, I wouldn't say I've mellowed on things, but I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more, willing to um to consider other things now and and i think that's one of the best things is like i think most people when they're that age like think they have everything figured out god that's the truth that is such the truth i think adulthood is when i I, I was sorry i was gonna say i think you know you're an adult when you realize how stupid you were when you were younger you know (laughs) Right. Or like, you would be like, Oh man, if I could only go back to high school and know what I knew now, like then. And I, and, but like, no one has that option. Right. But I mean, I feel like that you could say that about all points in your life. Right. But, um, but I feel like I'm, uh, much more open-minded now. Mm -hmm. Um, much more, um, yeah, much more, much more willing to, uh, experiment, uh, much more, um, interested in seeing, you know, how, how things will turn out. Um, and, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I don't think one, one way is, is right or the other isn't. I just think that that's just natural evolution, you know, of, a, of us as people, you know, I'm not the same person I was, um, you know, and I'm sure my wife can tell you like when we got married as, yeah. as we are, and, and she isn't either, but you know, we still love each other and, and, you know, work, work through those differences. And, and, and I think that's the same with like your relationship with the sport, you know, like 
I, I probably wanted different things, uh, from the sport, uh, when I was younger than I do now, but, um, it doesn't mean one's right and the other is, and it's just different. You are, you are evolving people. And I was, you're talking about your hard and fast rules when you were, you were younger. And I, I remember <laughs> this is stupid, but this was one of my hard and fit. This is one thing that really used to piss me off, Michael. It has nothing to do with running, but I remember around Christmas time, I'd drive around and I'd see, um, manger scenes, right? And then the wise men would be in the manger scene. And I was like, they weren't even there that night, man. They came like a year later. Why are they in the manger? They weren't even there for a year. And then I was, I was really kind of bothered by that. And I had another rule where my rule was, if you aren't from that city, you can't root for that team, city or state. You can't root for that team. Those were, those were my two, like, really hard and fast rules and those rules disappeared when when um i became a father and and a husband where you know you're 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 trying to teach your kids how to navigate the world and you sit back you go like you know that whole uh, manger thing and that whole sports thing this is kind of stupid of all the things to hang on to. I think I want to hang on to like trying to be a good person and, 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 you know, yeah. getting ready for the world. You know, I'm sure at some point you were talking to one of your sons or you're talking to your wife and you're like, you know, that rule about not drinking or eating or eating during marathons, it's kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try and eat or eat or, or drink something. You kind of find that as you get older yeah. and as you, you know, are helping young people especially navigate the world that because they're your kids you kind of drop some of the stupid crap so yeah those, those are my well yeah i mean like i even had like a rule like i wouldn't run more than 50 miles a week like i was just like yeah i'm, I'm that's just too many miles so like for the first like three or four years i would only do like 50 miles a week and then i realized like if i want to get to the next level like i'm going to need to run more miles and then i become like Oh, I'm always running a hundred miles. And like, yeah, that was like a hard and fast rule until like I got hurt <laughs> and like I got really hurt in 2012. And then since then I've just been like, if I get 60 miles, that's cool. And if I get 260 miles, that's cool. But like, it doesn't mean I have to do triple digits every week. And so like, um, you know, I think that's just, you know, part of growing up and part of learning, you know, what you actually really need to get the results that you want like you know it was just an arbitrary like if you do 99 miles like i would go out and do an extra mile (laughs) to get to 100 like i was like that you know and like it was just dumb you know like the differential between you know 70 miles and you know 150 miles it's a lot but like it's maybe like two minutes over the course of a marathon. And like, that's an extra, like double the amount of volume on your body. And like, so, but like, I would actually have to pull myself back sometimes and be like, no, don't do 200 miles, you know? So like, um, you know, and I think there's, you know, something to be said for, you know, looking at what you're doing and saying like, am I doing this? Like, does this have a purpose or am I just doing this to say that I did it? You know? Right. Like, I feel like at, you know, at some point, like I thought like to be a good runner, you had to run a hundred miles a week. And I think it definitely helps, but there's other things that are maybe as important, like doing strength training, like doing like the little stuff, like, you know, ankle mobility, like, right. uh, 
flexibility, like being able to like have a strong core, like, uh, you know, working on footwork, like all those little things that I was like, well, if I run a hundred miles a week, I don't have to care about those things. (laughs) That's all I need to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Miles a week. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that, you know, that that's, that's one part of it, but there's so many other things. And like, even like just, you know, eating well, like, I mean, like running as a, a full-time sport, like you can't just, you know, go for a run and then the rest of the day, like not recover and right. not eat well. Uh, like if you want to be at the highest level or you want to really, you know, give yourself the best chance of doing well, you got to be all in. And, and I think that's hard, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, an activity that you do sometimes. Okay. Before we get to the quarantine backyard ultra, which was, I I just, I just imagine I was reading the runner's world article about you running that 4.1 and change mile loop in your neighborhood for, for 63 hours. We'll talk about that in a second, but do you remember the ultra where it all came together, Michael, where it was, you, you, the nutrition worked, you know, your pacing worked, your training worked, and all of a sudden you won. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had that happen a couple times. I mean, most recently it was a quarantine backyard ultra for sure, but, but the first uh, time, and I, the first time, um, it was actually at one of my first, um, first big races. Um, it was a race called marathon to sob in, um, 2000. Yeah. And I was, I went there, you know, on 50 miles a week, I went there, like I didn't have the right backpack. I didn't even have like gaiters, like, um, you know, gaiters kind of go over your shoes to like, keep the, right. Right. Like I, like I put, like, I was planning to just run with plastic grocery bags on my, (laughs) and they lasted like 10 strides and then they were ripped to shreds. Like I, you know, I was just, I was like 25. I just, I I just didn't know. I, I didn't, I didn't know any better. And, um, but that was the first time when, you know, the longer the race went and, uh, the more that, you know, people started to suffer, the stronger I got. And, um, you know, I was fine with like, you know, eating a, you know, a thing of oatmeal and like a couple crackers and, um, you know, suffering. And, and that was kind of when I first realized, like, I have some talent for this. And, um, you know, that's when a, a woman named Lisa Smith Batchin and, Jay batching kind of took me under their wing and said like, Hey dude, we know you don't know what the hell you're doing, but you know, you're actually, you actually have some talent. And if you, if you, you know, kind of focus on this, you could be really good. And, um, you know, that kind of gave me some confidence. Like I knew, I knew that, you know, I was strong at, um, you know, marathons, but you know, this was a different kind of beast. And, um, that was the first time, you know, where I, I really felt like, uh, you know, I could do something with this lacrosse shorts at that race or have you had you did you no move past no no i moved up my dad got me some race readies <laughs> uh, so they had like the liner and they had like pockets kind of like like a batman belt oh they were awesome <laughs> that's fantastic yeah. you still have yeah, those dude. shorts somewhere uh i i still have some race readies i don't actually run in them anymore yeah. because you know i have my hoka stuff right but, um and i really like it you know it's made by rabbit it's really nice um but yeah no my brother still wears like some of my old like uh race ready stuff for well, sure. i don't know if you sat down with the kids and go okay kids 
This when dad was running this race, he was wearing the old race readies, and here's dad's <laughs> old race readies. What memories nah, attached to these? No, nah, they they've seen me race enough. They <laughs> yeah, they've seen me race in all different, you know, get-ups for sure. They're bored From by it Elvis. now too. Right. They're bored by it now. Yeah. They're like, oh God, dad's running his Elvis again. Yeah. Actually, it's weird that sometimes I feel like that and other times, like, I feel like they're, they're into it. Like, it's, it's pretty cool. Like just to see, um, you know, they're, they've been around the sport so much, like they're going to know, they know so many just things that I didn't know, like, you know, how to crew somebody, like how to, you know, what does it actually look like, you know, when you're suffering and like, uh, you know to tape your nipples like like just like weird stuff but like you learn over time and you know, most dads aren't teaching up. their kids to tape their nipples michael and you've done that so <laughs> i think you've got a you've got a one up yeah. on, on a lot of a lot of parents but how old are your are your kids now michael uh we've got uh two um pierce is 13 and grants 11 so okay boys so they're middle school which means uh, just getting into middle school for Grant. Okay. This is a seventh grade Grant's fifth grade going into sixth. If school opens again. Okay. At some point. <laughs> They're at the perfect age right now, Michael, because I remember that age and maybe you, you remember it as well. Um, that was the age where you kind of were bragging with your friends about your dad and maybe a discussion about whose dad could beat up another's person's dad has come up. I remember having those fights between me and my friends growing up, like my dad could beat up your dad and that sort of thing. So when they're sitting around the lunch table at school and they'll, they'll no doubt go back to school and sit around the lunch table and, you know, some guy starts bragging about their dad. Your kids are like, you do know my dad is, you know, runs dressed as Elvis and ran a hundred mile ultra marathon and then ran a marathon the next day and has ran seven marathons and seven continents in seven days. Or, you know, most recently they'll say, yeah, my dad for 62 hours ran around the neighborhood and got 262 <laughs> miles. And all the kids in your kid's school are like, crap, we just can't compete with the Wardians. Um, well, it's kind of cool. Cause I like go into the school and I do like the running club with the kids and stuff. Yeah. So like all the kids kind of know me and like, um, actually I'd say most of the people in the area like know me on a kind of a somewhat, um, gradual level, I guess. Well, of course and they so, know you. You've been running around your neighborhood for 62 straight hours. Everybody's seen you. Everybody knows you now in the neighborhood. Like, Oh, that's that guy. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually been pretty cool because it's actually inspired some people in the neighborhood to start take up running and uh, to like, you know, go out and, and try to do some, you know, stuff on their own. So that's actually been really cool to see. That's really cool. Let's talk about the quarantine backyard ultra for a second. 262 miles over 63 hours. I read that you set up an aid station in your yard for yourself. <laughs> And then that it was 4.1 and change mile loops around the neighborhood because people were doing this all over the world and zooming in uh, together to make sure you're checking on the miles and all of that. How did that event go for you? Take us back to those 63 hours running around the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. So, so yeah, I think if you saw like my, my wife did an Instagram post about this, it was actually pretty funny. It's like when I first started, I just had a Hoka box and I threw like uh, a bunch of goose in it and some chews. And I think I had like one water bottle and like, 
she saw my friend Maggie Guterell's aid station and it was like a table with like <laughs> coolers and like uh like blankets and a heater and like she's like oh crap man I gotta take over and so she like set up a table and uh and then you know as the days went on like our whole neighborhood kind of came out and supported it and you know brought like a power cord out so we could charge the phone so we could zoom and um you know i think eventually there was even like a heater at the end maybe or something and like um you know there was like all different kinds of food like pickles and pizzas and avocados and soup and uh it turned into like a, a whole thing which was awesome um but yeah i mean it it was um it was actually a smaller loop than that though. I ran, it was a, a 0 0.4 mile loop. Uh, so, uh, and I ran that, um, continuously. Oh, so, so yeah. So, uh, every time four, 4.1667 miles was depending on which GPS I was using, it was yeah. kind of annoying because like they were measuring differently, even though it was the same. Right. So like it was between like, 10 and like 12 laps. Um, so, oh. which is kind of a big difference. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of frustrating. Well, um, God, yeah, you... so yeah. <laughs> now they did put it that way. My God, your neighbors must've, well, it must've turned like in the beginning, it must've been something like a, what is that Michael guy doing? And then by the end, they must've been like all in like, Oh my God, he could, he could win this race. That's happening all over the world. Yeah, it was, it was totally like that. And then also it was, um, you know, the media came out. So like, that was cool. But then like, um, yeah, it was just, you know, they'd see it on the local news or like ESPN or, you know, whatever. And, um, so yeah, there was a lot of interest in the, in the neighborhood, but also like people would come out and just be invested, you know, they'd sit there for like an hour and like, watch me run around the neighborhood or like watch me take an aid station and, um, and you know, then they'd start being like, Hey, can we help you? Like, do you need like a smoothie? Do you need like, uh, you know, Jennifer, do you need food? Like my wife, or yeah. my kids, because like they were the only ones really that were able to kind of hand me stuff. And so like they needed breaks too, you know, during that time. And, um, so yeah, so it was, it was actually really cool. Like just to see the community come together and like have something to rally around and there's absolutely nothing else going on. So like it was <laughs> yeah. also entertainment you know like right like oh i wonder if he's gonna make it or not like wow he looks pretty bad like uh, or he looks good now and so like you know there was that aspect to it also did you have any points during the 62 hour or 63 hours where you were like this is the stupidest thing i've ever done and think like maybe uh, it's time to call it quits yeah yeah i tried to quit uh like 175 miles i think like 40 some hours in like i I, yeah, I was just had all those thoughts. I was just like, this is dumb. Uh, I'm not really having fun anymore. Like it was the middle of the second night, like three o'clock in the morning. So I was just kind of having like the sleep monsters and, um, a little low on calories. And, um, and then also it was cold, it was yeah. like really cold. And, um, and yeah. And, and then, you know, it was lonely. Like, it, you know, no one's out at three o'clock in the morning and, um, and my, my wife looked kind of miserable and I was just kind of like justifying it in my head. I was like, if I quit now, she can go home. Uh, my other friends can go home. Like we can just be done with this. Like I ran further than I 
you know, ever did as far as hours, maybe not distance wise. Right. Cause I think I was like at 175 miles then or something. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yeah, you know, I've been out here for a while. Like I've done a good job. Like, you know, there's no shame in leaving now. And I got, <laughs> I was just like, I'm in my stomach was kind of off. I was just kind of like, yeah, I was just having a pity party for myself. And, um, I remember like I stopped my, I stopped my Strava on, on the far side of the loop. And like, then I, I actually was just going to not stop it, but just walk back. But yeah. then it auto it like, if you go too slow, it thinks that you've stopped. And so it, it doesn't record it. So yeah. then I had to stop it. And then I started like, I called it like the walk of shame where I like walked back to my wife. Um, and I think it took me like nine minutes or something. And then, um, and then she just kind of looked at me and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, nah, I just, I'm just not having fun anymore. And she's like, are you sick? And I was like, nope. And she's like, uh, like, are you hurt? I'm like, nope. She's like, that's not a good enough excuse. Oh, and, oh that and, not, I was, <laughs> and it was it was actually it was perfect because it was it really was true it really wasn't a good enough excuse but what she, like i what she was really saying and like um was like i'm willing to stand out here and be a part of this for as long as you want and because i expected her to be like yeah okay cool let's go right uh, and if she probably if she would have said that i probably would have just left but what she said was basically like dude, you owe it to yourself to keep going. And, you know, I'm willing to, you know, do this for as long as you want and don't make me your excuse. If you want to quit, it's on you. Like, don't try to make this about somebody else. <laughs> and that's, and and that's all I needed. And that just turned the switch. And I was just like, yeah. And I got super pissed. I was just like, I got pissed at myself. I got pissed like that. I, you know, considered like not, you know, seeing what I was capable of because, I was fine. I just wasn't having fun. Like, that's just kind of lame. Like, okay. Like, yeah, at some point it's not going to be fun anymore. Like that's just part of doing a long race and, you know, pushing yourself beyond where you've been. And so like, okay. And so then I just ran that, I think it was my second fastest loop. Like I started it over and I actually ran an extra loop so that no one could say that I like didn't run at all. And I'm right. actually glad I did because, you know, when the race ended, they were like, what's up with this weird loop? And I was like, well, I'll tell you. And I told them what happened and they're just like, yeah, you're fine. And I'm glad you ran the extra loop so that no one can say you didn't. Um, and yeah, it turned like that was, I don't know, like 20 hours before like the end of the race. And I was glad I like had enough, you know, mental yeah. acuity at that point to be like, all right, fine. I'll spot the everybody an extra loop, you know, an extra 0.4 miles, but you know, that that'll mean that I have a full circuit and you know, it's not interrupted or anything and you know, it's fine. And you know, you, you don't, and, and I ran, you know, I ran pretty fast and it felt good. And that's kind of what broke me out of my funk. And then I knew I had buy-in from everyone and you know, I didn't have to worry about, you know, if I was out there for two days or four days or six days or whatever. Um, you know, they were going to be there for me. And, and that's kind of what I needed to know. I'm just kind of picturing you, Michael, making that decision at to call it quits. And then that walk back from the backside of the loop 
to your 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 house, your yard where your wife is, and you're probably thinking to yourself, "Oh, she's totally going to want to end this." And <laughs> and your bed's yeah. right there. Like your bed, your comfy bed is right there. Like you are you are moments away from dreamland and just having that like like having that discussion in your head of like, "Oh yeah, she's going to be out. I'll, you know, someone else can win. It's okay. I've, I've gone as far as I can go." And then she tells you that, like, well, that's not really a good excuse. And you're like, fuck, she's right. Yeah, oh. totally. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, that's, uh, and, you know, that's what people, you know, people see me and like, I won, whatever. But like, you know, the, the, the real heroes are the people that, you know, are out there supporting you and um, the volunteers and the race directors and the people that are coming up with, like, the ability to, you know, put us out there and, and let us test ourselves and like, um, you know, she was, you know, if she wasn't there and, you know, I was, you know, and she was home in bed and, you know, maybe I would have just, you know, walked off the course and, you know, cuddled in next to her and been like, yeah, it was cool. I I'm done. You know? Right. And so like, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you were saying like, you know, hard and fast rules. Like I, I used to be like, you know, I want to do these things. Like these are my things and, you know, solo, but I think the more that you're in the sport, the more you realize that you don't get anywhere by yourself. And, and I think that, um, if you don't, you know, have a network and you don't have support and, you know, that, you know, being sponsors or, um, people or friends, like, um, you know, none of this stuff is possible. Like you can, you can do some things, but you won't, you won't be in the sport for very long and you're not going to be, um, you know, very, very successful. I don't think. Okay, here's a question I've got to ask you, Michael. Everyone wants to know. You've just said glowing things about your wife. You know, she, yes. she brought you out of that funk. You know, you wouldn't have won. You wouldn't have had the 262 miles. Have been all oh, Michael Wardian dropped out after 175 miles. So and so, but someone else would win the quarantine backyard ultra. Did you take care of your wife for Mother's Day? Did you get her something real nice? Actually, she wasn't super easy to shop for, but yeah, I mean, we've been, um, talking about, um, like what to do for that. And she ended up, um, choosing a, a new KitchenAid mixer, which isn't super, uh, super like, Oh, like, wow, that's amazing. But it was something that she wanted. And, um, so yeah, so she was pretty excited about it. Um, I was, I was thinking about getting her some AirPods and I was actually, it was funny. I was on the treadmill talking to my mom, like, like, yeah, I think I'm going to get Jennifer some AirPods and I get a text. I don't want AirPods. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can hear you. <laughs> you. You know, it's funny. Uh, people that don't know they think like, Oh, Michael got his wife, a KitchenAid mixer. No, no, no. KitchenAid mixer is big pimping. Everybody wants yeah. one. It's not a, it's yeah, not but, like a uh, go cook in the kitchen type of gift. Like a KitchenAid mixer is a serious gift. That thing's got a transmission that you could run a Buick on. Yeah, they're really nice. Oh. Our old ones lasted, I don't know, probably like, you know, 15 years or more. And um, it still works. It's just like the, uh, the lever doesn't turn off. So yeah. like to turn it off, you have to unplug it, which yeah. is just kind of a bummer. And like the bowl is a little bit janky right now, but yeah, I mean, it, it's gotten so much used and it's so useful, man. You can make, you can make all kinds of things with oh, it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I think if, if the speed, um, 
it goes up to like eight or nine, right? The speed level of the things you can mix on there. If it gave you an extra speed notch, it would like shake itself apart. It's so po- <laughs> it's so powerful. This this podcast yeah. is not brought to you by KitchenAid mixers, by the way. Does your wife do that thing, Michael? When you say like, "Hey, what do you want for Mother's Day?" Does she do the? Oh, I don't know. Does she do that? Um. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but not really. I mean, no more than I do on Father's Day or every other gift-like giving occasion for me. Like, I suck to shop for because I'm, yeah, just, I, you know, I don't really need a lot of stuff. And the stuff that I need is like, yeah, I just suck to shop for too. So, like, I don't think it's any more than anyone else. Right. And it's hard for Father's Day because once you get that world's greatest dad coffee mug, I mean, what do you what do you do the next year? I mean, it's really hard to to shop after that. Well, it's funny because I don't drink coffee, so like even that, like and like, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you know, I I don't, yeah, I don't have a lot of interests uh, that you know are not something that you know I already have you know partners for. Right. So like all, all my running stuff, I was like, you know, if, if I was, you know, not a professional runner, like it might be like, Oh, we got him socks or <laughs> we got him like shoes or, you know, we got him an entry to a race, but like, you know, all the, all the things that I'm really you know passionate about is I'm, I'm lucky that I have great support system for your wife's a saint, man. You're hard to shop for. You make her do these crazy things for 62 hours. Yeah. She deserved that KitchenAid mixer and then some, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what's next. What are you kicking around in the noodle right now? Adventure wise that you want to do when things, maybe when things go back to normal or even now. Uh, well, my big thing that, that I was planning to do this year is to try to run across the country. And so like, that's kind of the big, the big elephant thing that I'm chasing right now. And, um, and you know, before the quarantine backyard ultra, I thought I would just want to do it, um, you know, and still kind of work through it, um, you know, work and just do like 30 or 40 miles a day. But, uh, after doing the quarantine backyard ultra, I think I want to try to go for the world record. And so that would be, um, Pete's record, yeah, Pete Koskowitz, Pete and it's yeah. like it's uh about forty two days, and it's about seventy miles a day. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a big a big ask of myself and my body, but uh, it's something that I you know I'm kind of excited about chasing and um and getting after, and so you know that's kind of the big big thing um in the immediate future. You know, I want to do some fastest known times around the DC area. I've still got a couple more trails that I don't have the fastest known time on. And I want to run the boundary stones in Washington, DC, which will be like 75 or 80 miles. I'm actually thinking that might be something I do pretty soon. Uh, and then I'm taking part in, I see you have like a Yeti ultra thing, but I'm doing the, I'm doing the East East coast versus West coast, uh, Yes, Challenge. so am I. Yeah. I'm doing my. When are you doing your race? Are you doing the 50k? Uh, I'm doing all of them, right? Of like course the you are. 10k. Uh, of course you are. 10k half and and then 50k. Yeah. So here's the thing. You're uh, our ringer, Michael Wardian is like. <laughs> we can get. I don't know if Pat Reagan's doing it. Can we get? Is is Pat doing this? Because we need like Pat. And Michael, <laughs> yeah, and we, that's a good call. Yeah, we need like these these East Coast ringers. The Ty, beast- Tyler Andrews. Yes, yes, because you know Walmsley will probably show up eventually or something. I, I think actually the East Coast, last I checked, is is drastically has higher numbers of participants 
in this event than, hmm. than the West Coast. So we're doing pretty good. Thank you for being a ringer for the Beast Coast, Michael. Uh, well, wait, wait until I do my time. We'll see. I, I'm pretty sure I'll do okay. But yeah, let, let's see how I do first. Oh, and by but the thanks. way, uh, if Bitter does this, Bitter's from Manitowoc, Wisconsin. So he can't pull this West Coast bullshit. You know, that just, I'm just saying, we're going to, we're going to call everybody, everybody on home for this one. Um, when you're talking, um, well, I think that he's, I, I just talked to him today. He's doing a world record attempt on the treadmill on Saturday. Oh, that's so, right. Okay. So he'll- yeah. So yeah. So, uh, I'm supposed to go on and talk at some point like, oh. during it. That'll be kind of that'll be kind of cool. I was just thinking when you're yeah. talking about um, tracking down FKTs and getting some more FKTs around the DC area. Right now, everybody who has an FKT in the DC area that is not you is going crap. Oh man, <laughs> there goes yeah. my fastest known time. Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple that I saw that that aren't mine that I've been eyeing, uh, and then. Um, the other thing is I got some, I'm working with a company called ultra X and they have a virtual race series. So I'm doing some stuff with them. They have a 15 K this weekend that mm-hmm. I'm going to take part in. Um, also, I'm looking at trying to do a charity event where I uh, try to do a hundred miles on the treadmill while I play. I think I want to try to play Madden and see <laughs> if I can have people sign up to play me uh, while I do the hundred miles. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that would be pretty awesome. So what team, you, um, what team you playing with on Madden? You know, actually I was, uh, kind of like, uh, playing with the saints, uh, all the time, but yeah. then I've just, um, I've just like expanded a little bit and I found like, I was surprised at how good the Cowboys were. And actually, you know, who's super fun to play with is the Browns. Like really their defense sucks. Oh yeah. But they like have such a good offense it's so fun they have chubb and kareem hunt uh landry and then obviously odell yeah and baker doesn't throw and you, i just this morning played with the seahawks and they were super fun too like uh because russell wilson like can fit the ball into like the smallest little window it's insane like insane he never throws picks uh and chris carson's actually really good and yeah there are tight ends like are actually surprisingly good. So yeah, uh, I was surprised. They were super fun to play with. That's that's pretty awesome. You know why the Cowboys are good? Because the Cowboys are always good because <laughs> they're the Cowboys. You know how you can tell uh, someone that knows nothing about professional football? They're wearing a Cowboys jersey. That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> right, right, right there. But that's... Well, is there a the world? Cowboys are good because of Zeke. I mean, yes. uh, come on. Yeah, that's... Like, that's, he's just like a... Like he gets tackled in the backfield and falls forward for like four yards. So <laughs> like he's he's pretty awesome. Michael, they, thank you for for making running so much fun and thinking of things like running on the treadmill and playing Madden at the same time. I think it's just it, it's it's really really cool. It's always fun to see you doing these really cool things. Um, stay off. Let's run. Tell your your mother in law to stay off. Let's run because I'm sure as soon as they hear you're going to be playing Madden while you're running a hundred on a treadmill, they'll have something to say about that. But it's cool to watch all the cool things you do, and I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, man. Thanks very much for having me. It was fun. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. 
Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 